one thing, you know, hunters will say, oh, I saw a rub line and I hunted all morning. I hunted the next morning, didn't see it. Well, they've been, they may have been hunting a PM rub line where it's coming, you know, into the field. Uh, so. Yeah. And, 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 and to, to expand on that, that's, that's where you've got to do your homework uh, because you got to know when those deer are coming to that field. Right. And, and it may be one field, maybe a morning field. Another one may be an afternoon field. Exactly. And so you've really got to know, you know, where those deer are going whether they're going here in the morning, here in the afternoon, because it'll change from time to time, depending on which way the wind's blowing. Right. And another thing exactly. that uh, I'll say, another Sorry. thing that we're talking about, you know. We'll... Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the Wi Fi Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge calling in via phone, setting my truck at one of my favorite locations where I glass and watch deer come into one of my Eagle Seed food plots, smorgasbord. And in the studios, Wayne Locke will be arriving anytime, and Redbone's in the studio. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about part two, digging deeper into pre-rut hunting tactics. This is going to be a great show for everybody. We're going to dig a little deeper than what we did last week, and we've got some great information for you, Redbone. All right, very good. Also, and, uh, yeah, well, you talked about good information. The bear hunt is going on in Missouri, Alex, and so far, so good. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon, and so far, seven bears have been killed in Missouri in their first-ever bear hunt. Yeah, a lot of the bear was killed in southwest Missouri, according to what I've read. Yeah, five in southwest and two in the southeast. So, yeah, it's, but it's all been south of I-44, which is where they figure, you know, any bears are going to get killed are going to be south of I-44. But, yeah, and two of them were just west of West Plains, and another, I think, was pretty close to the Van Buren area. So uh, hunters are being very successful out there, and boy, some big old bears, too. Well, that is good news. You know, it's good to have the bears here. I guess, in a sense, uh, you know, because the bear was here many years ago. Yeah. So we're bringing back uh, some of the animals that was here in the 1800s, 1700s, possibly. And, uh, you know, it's another resource that can generate revenue for MDC and also another sport for us hunters and outdoors men and women can enjoy. Yeah, well, another sport for, you know, some folks, and, and you know, it's very limited right now, but 400 hunters receive tags, and of course, you got to call in every day and get quoted, make sure you're, you know, you can still uh, kill a bear. It's much like the uh, season in Arkansas, which has really kind of been off to a slow start, from what I understand, because of the weather, first part of the deer season, or the bear season in Arkansas. It was just so warm, I don't think a lot of hunters got out. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's kind of like deer hunting. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking, you know, oh, it's too warm to deer hunt, you know. Uh, I'm kind of that way in a sense, but if, I, if I'm on a big deer, I don't care how hot it is or how cold it is if I'm seeing that big deer. And, uh, and I'm here to tell all of our listeners, I'm not seeing a giant buck that I want to put on my hit list at this time. I've seen some, you know, 130s, 135. But I'm wanting to shoot something bigger than that. But uh, maybe one deer on another piece of property in the more forties. Uh, he's an older deer. I may try to take him. I've got some friends coming in to hunt with me from Louisiana and also from Alabama. So kind of saving those deer for them because I know to them them would be huge deer. 
Uh, yeah. And what well, I tell you, you know, you, you talk about friends. I know you're friends with the uh, the Jordans and uh, and the Drury brothers. The uh, the Jordans and the Drurys are dropping giant deer like crazy. Have, have you been seeing that on Facebook? Oh yeah. You know. You know. Hunting industry. When I was traveling full force like that, we had the opportunity to hunt great farms, and mm-hmm. uh, it's all about having the resource, the money to go travel and do that stuff. You know, uh, some of our listeners are just common people, and that's what I am. I'm common. You're common. Wayne's mm-hmm. common. We don't travel like that, and, and my hats off to those guys that are being blessed to be able to do that, and that's why they're doing this. They're planting their own food plots. Some of them, they're also hunting great places that have these huge deer. So, uh, congratulations to both of them. Yeah, I've been called a. I've, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but Common's generally not one of them. Unusual, <laughs> I get called a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to say something like that. He finally made it in the studio. Yeah, he finally got. He finally got here. Yeah, I, I had some guy hold me up before I was leaving earlier, so. He was on his lawnmower ahead of waiting for him. You got to tell him what our conversation was about suburban hunting and real hunting. (laughs) Yeah, he made the mistake of saying something about uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, I need to look up, uh, see if I can help get some statistics for the show on uh, people that urban hunt, uh, guys that hunt that live in urban areas as opposed, Mm -hmm. you know, in comparison to those that own their own farms. Try and get some numbers together for a show in that. And uh, he made the mistake, and it was it was a slip of the tongue by him. At least it better have been. But he looks at me. He goes, you know, he goes, you know, suburban hunters compared to real hunters. And I'm like, and I turned around. I'm like, uh, wait a minute, what? Uh, <laughs> and he goes, oh no, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I was going to rag on him for for that one. Oh yeah, we got we're always having fun. The city slicker, the city here. slicker here. Hey, yeah. To all of our listeners, I want to I want I want to say this real quick. Redbone, uh, we've created a new series of shows on the American Roots page, and it is called Season 1, Lock, Fam- Lock Family Roots in the Ozarks. You've got to see it. It's pretty funny, isn't it, Redbone? I have seen uh, a little bit of it. I saw the one with the kid with the egg on his face. <laughs> From making the uh, the omelet, yeah, Dylan the- making, yeah, he got in a chicken coop and took a bunch of eggs out of it, and he's hiding underneath the new house, and he's cracking eggs into the uh, a bowl that he had, and yeah. Well, and shells right and everything, idea. and then they picked wild mushrooms, put them yeah. in there, so he had all the ingredients. Yeah, he had and, the right idea, right. just uh, wrong way of doing it. Yeah, I would imagine Mama <laughs> didn't appreciate him. Uh, Waste, Breaking, wasting her eggs. No, and he got a, a probably a good uh, eight to ten of them. So, <laughs> but we're you know we're, we're we're getting twenty a day, so it's not that big of a deal. But okay, well you know speaking of that, we haven't done a recipe in a long time. But Alex, if you'll indulge me here for just a moment, I saw a recipe today <laughs> for a breakfast food, and you take a loaf of like uh, French bread. You know, French bread comes in mm-hmm. a whole loaf. And you split you split that and kind of spread it open, but not on the end, so it makes like a like a canoe. Okay. And they put about mm-hmm. a half a dozen raw eggs in there, and then they put a little oh. salt, little salt and pepper, and uh, put some uh, butter. They grated up some butter, and put on top of that, and then they uh, uh, topped it with some sliced ham, and they put that in the oven and cooked it till the eggs were done, and then just wow. just slice it, and you had like an omelet. Sandwich. Hmm. It was. It was. That. It was that very delicious. Yeah. I, and I wouldn't even me myself. I wouldn't scramble the eggs. I'd actually leave them whole. So I. Oh, they were cut whole. In, 
Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you were saying they were scrambled like no, an omelet. No, no, no. They just they just cracked oh. an egg, dumped it in, cracked an egg, dumped it in. I would love that. Cut into it, and have all that yolk come off. Oh, oh yeah, man. yeah. And you talk about you talk about something easy to create, right? For a creative breakfast at Deer Camp. I mean, all, all you need is a big loaf of French bread and some eggs and a little bit of ham and salt and pepper. And if you get if you catch Walmart at the right time, they usually have uh, that that uh, reduced price French bread that's fifty yeah. cents or eighty yeah. cents. You know, yeah, I was perfect. thinking, man, that looks pretty good, and it'd feed a whole lot of people. So there you go, folks. That's my recipe of the day. <laughs> hey, I just want to tell you all, I'm sitting here, and I raised up my binoculars, and there's three more deer that come into the Eagle Sip food plot as I'm talking to you. They're about 400 yards away, and they're all does and little ones so far. There's three in the Eagle Seed food plot. So we've got a great show for everybody. We've been on here. It's about time for a break, yep. uh, another minute or so. But we're going to talk about pre-rut hunting, show number two. We're going to dig deeper into our techniques and strategies to closing the deal on, on a big, mature buck. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big boy for a while. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Up a big old hill. Year after year. Got my hunting gear. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. I'm calling via phone. Uh, sitting in my Chevrolet pickup watching a Eagle Seed smorgasbord food plot from about 400 yards away. And there's one doe and two fawns in there, and the deer just raises its tail up and runs. So there must be another deer coming in the food plot. Wayne Locke and Redbone are in the studio, and we are talking about more techniques and strategies, digging deeper into pre-rut hunting. And, Wayne, I want you to break it down for all of our listeners. Tell them what pre-rut is. The meaning of pre-rut. Oh, that's simple. It's pre-rut is before the mature bucks are able to breed a receptive does. Uh, they're in that uh, seek phase. They're just kind of checking things out, figuring out where the does are at, which ones are going to be coming into estrus first. Uh, a lot of things play into it. You got your moon phase that kind of plays into it. You have mm-hmm. uh, your age maturity of not only your does but your your bucks and. Uh, also, one thing that you want to keep in mind too, when you're scouting in this pre-rut stage, is look at those younger, or excuse me, I should say the older fawns from this year because they're apt to come into estrus too uh, after the uh, the your mature does do. So you're actually going to get another second and possibly even a third um, run for a, a rut uh, during your year here. So a lot of people don't realize that. 
you know that's right and, and a great answer for pre-rut basically what it is the bucks have lost their velvet and those ambassador groups in the prep phase now in the pre-rut now they've split up their horns are hard testosterone testosterone levels are getting higher these bucks are starting to cruise. They're sneaking, looking for girlfriends. They're going from one doe area to another, hoping to find a receptive doe. So as they're doing this, and again, as the days are getting shorter, the weather's getting cooler, the testosterone levels get higher and higher, and they become more active, more aggressive, then you start finding these scrapes, and you start finding these rubs. And we talked about that in the last show, Redbone, of, you know, Locate your scrapes, take your onyx map, you can mark all the locations where you're finding the scrapes and finding the rubs, and it creates a travel corridor for you, a travel route for you to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together to close the deal on one of these cruising active bucks. Yeah, you know, and Alex, I know a lot of people uh, don't pay any attention to rubs, uh, you know, and they're, they're, I think there are two schools of thought, but, and, and mine is, and what I was always taught, uh, that you follow those rubs because those deer are actually creating a, a highway. It makes it a little easier for them to see in the dark to get from point A to point B. Some people just say, well, that just means a deer's been here. He might leave a rub at random yeah. wherever. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? And, again, my thought is is they're creating that rub for a reason. And, and so what is your well, there thought? there is. I mean, there's a reason behind everything they do. The, the rubs, from my observation, is what I've learned from uh, my 40 years plus hunting, or actually 45 years of hunting whitetails, is that when they create a rub, when they first create the first rub, it could be because of velvet shed. That's usually seen in late August or early September. Uh, then as the days progress, uh, they will start rubbing uh, more trees to create and build up the, the neck muscles in their neck, and their necks are swelling. And they also do it because it's, it, they're showing other deer that may be in the area, hey, I'm an aggressive deer. I'm showing off for these does, and hey, I'm telling you, Buck, you know, I'm aggressive. I'll fight you if you want to fight. But also what they do after they create this rub, their pedicles, the base of their antlers, they will they will lay their forehead scent, the foregland scent, uh, on that. And it's a signpost for other does and other bucks to identify that deer man made that rub. And I've seen more than one deer, one buck, use the same rub. Haven't you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen indications of that. Uh, is there any correlation between the size of the tree that is being rubbed and the size of the deer's antlers that is using that tree? Wayne, you want to answer that? Then I'll answer it also. Yeah, um, the, yeah the, the school of thought has always been, well, you know, uh, any any uh, a small tree means small buck, big tree means big buck, and that's not necessarily true because uh, I know Alex and I both have witnessed and even filmed together. Uh, you know, 140, 150 class bucks just ripping to shreds a five inch sapling. But the other train of thought of that is you're not going to get a spike buck ripping to shreds a 16-inch oh, tree. tree. <laughs> so if you have a 16-inch tree being ripped to shreds, you have a big buck in the area. So a big tree does mean big buck, but doesn't mean that you don't have big bucks if only small trees are being hit. Yeah. I've seen mature bucks take trees that's an inch in circumference and just shred them to pieces. Hold on. Yeah. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, I'll say, Alex, remember that one we had about four years ago was walking around with about, it looked like half a tree still stuck in his rack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But what I wanted to say was the size of the rub doesn't always tell you 
that that's a big deer. What you look for, from my experience, is how high that deer is hooking. And if there's any other trees close to the tree that he's rubbing on, if he's breaking other limbs, it tells you that the main beams are long and they could be breaking the other limbs. So look for height. How high they hit it can tell you that that's a mature deer or bigger deer. Uh, I filmed a deer one time, and I won't ever forget it, on a tree it's like 10 inches in circumference. It was a big old cedar tree, and a, a, literally a three-point buck come up and rubbed on it, too. <laughs> but he didn't rub very long. He just rubbed on it. But again, he's leaving his uh, foreground scent on there also. It's communi- communication signpost for all deer that travel that route. So there's different reasons for making uh, the rubs, and they mean many things. So connecting the dots on rubs is another great technique figuring out a travel route. As I said earlier, where you need to set up on on one of these bucks that may be running that rub line. Now, which one of the things I love to do is take a topo map or take Onyx, and Onyx is not a sponsor, but you can pull up the area that you're hunting, and you can again, if you find a rub, you can go exactly to where you're standing where you found that rub and drop a pin for a rub. Find the next rub, drop another pin. Another rub, drop another pin, and after you look at your, your topographical map on Onyx, it'll show you that rub line, which way it's going. And the thing to pay attention to is where did it start at? Did it start at a creek? Did it start at a field? Is it leading to another big old white oak flat? Is it leading to another food plot, another big field? So what you're doing is you're saying, oh, oh wow, he must be bedding down here in this thick stuff down by this field. And he's going up here to this acorn flat to eat acorns to hopefully pick up a doe. That's where I found the scrapes. You can also drop a pin on your Onyx map showing where every scrape is at. So when you see this line, this corridor, this travel route, you can say, all right, the wind, he's traveling north and south. So my perfect setup would be to have, if he's coming from the south, and to have a south wind hit me right in the face. So that's a tip for you all. Use Onyx, use a topographical map, connect the dots, lay the evidence out, put the pieces of the puzzle together, and you can make it happen on one of these cruising mature bucks during the pre-rut. Yeah, it's all about putting the game plan together and then executing that game plan. All right, uh, about time for us to take another break. Folks, we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Big old. How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Around your heart, so you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Eagle Seed presents. Welcome back to the show, segment three of the show. And uh, we've been talking about some cool stuff here, talking about pre rut tactics, talking about using the Onyx. Uh, 
app, the Onyx map, how to connect the dots, uh, how to drop pins where every scrape, every rub is at, and how to read the topographical map, figuring out where the deer may be bedding, uh, figure out where he may be going. And uh, that being said, I want to say Akron's a very spotty here right now. And I just had another deer walk out in front of me. It's a big old doe, about 380 yards. And they're looking in the woods. I may be a buck coming out. But as I'm talking to you again, I'm, I'm recalling him with my phone from my vehicle, watching one of my Eagle Seed smorgasbord food plots. And this doe was fixing to walk right in front of my wise eye. And I should be getting a picture here pretty soon. So... Wayne, you wanted to talk more about rubs yeah, and I, strategies on rubs. Yeah, I was going to say, when you're marking those things in your in your Onyx or on your topo map or however you're marking them, one of the things to keep in mind is the, the what side of the tree the rub is on. If the rub is leading uh, or the rub is, itself is facing your field, then that is the deer leaving the field because mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna rub going away. So that will help tell you whether this is an AM trail or a PM trail. If they're if they're coming into if those rub exactly. lines are coming into the field, those are ones that you're gonna want to hunt in the uh, the afternoon because they're gonna be coming into the the evening fields and that. If you, if and just the opposite, obviously, if it's going away from you, then you're going to hunt that in the morning. But that please, you know, that one thing, you know, hunters will say, "Oh, I saw a rub line, and I hunted all morning. I hunted the next morning, didn't see it." Well, they've been they may have been hunting a PM rub line where it's coming, you know, into the field. Uh, so. Yeah, and and and, and to, to expand on that, that's that's where you've got to do your homework uh, because you got to know when those deer are coming to that field. Right, and and it may be one field may be a morning field, another one may be an afternoon field. Exactly. So you've really got to know, you know, where those deer are going, whether they're going here in the morning, here in the afternoon, because it'll change from time to time depending on which way the wind's blowing. Right. And another thing exactly. that exactly uh, I'll say another Go thing ahead. that we're talking about, you know, uh, we'll start touching base now on fields, is if you're hunting a farm field, talk to the farmer. And find out when are you going to be harvesting the beans? Where are you going to be harvesting the corn? Because that will also help play a role in when you're going to when you're going to be hunting. Uh, you're going to want you know if they have if you have a chance to hunt right after they harvest, you know, say a couple of days after they you know knock their corn down in that, that's prime time to get on that field edge because I guarantee those fields are going to be loaded with deer <laughs> once those that, that corn gets knocked down. But you know, talk to the farmer, find out when he's harvesting this stuff. Yeah, you know, a lot of farmers here in the Midwest, Southern Missouri, Northern Arkansas, they don't plant corn or beans. But to to relate to what you said, uh, you can relate to the farmers when they're they're cutting hay. You know, right. you can relate to the farmers whenever uh, or when you plant food plots and hunting fields. Uh, this full moon right now that we have is causing more deer to move in the middle of the day, and and they're going to bed early in the mornings. I, I could tell the difference this morning. I went over and sat. One of my other locations never saw but two deer when I was saying 15, you know. So uh, the moon attributes a lot to their movement. But also uh, what I want to say about these fields and, and connecting the dots of scrapes and rubs and knowing where food sources are, wild plants, food plots, and bedding areas and watering sources, etc. knowing where all this stuff is at, if you'll, you'll take a 30,000-foot perspective and finally put it together, and said, wow, that makes sense why he traveled from there to there. And again, I want to repeat what I said in the last segment of the show. If he's traveling north and south, and he's coming from the south going north, you don't want the wind blowing from the north to him. 
because he'll wind you if you're not being scent free and clean and uh, not using anything to, to eliminate your odors. And I do want to say this. I'm getting off on another subject, but still about being scent free. I read a guy and watched him do a video, and I'm not going to say who it is. It's a professional hunter. They're very popular right now. And this guy's at a gas station with his camouflage on. He says, hey, a lot of people may not like this, but uh, just don't bother me. And he went to, and, like, sarcastic, rubbing his hands as he's pumping gas. So I want the gas fumes all over me. Mm. I thought to myself, buddy, you just went against everything that everybody in the outdoor industry has been trying to preach, even our ancestors about being scent free and covering up our scents. And I yeah. thought to myself, why would this guy do that? And I thought, well, he's doing it because he's an entertainer. He's, you know, and I say this because he's wanting attention. And this guy's a good hunter. But that guy doing that is actually uh, killing a lot of deer, spotting and stalking. I was going to say, I wonder if he was doing it so, more as a spoof, you know, just being funny, haha, than he was obviously being no, serious. No, he was being serious. He was being serious. But anyway, hmm. I just want to say that. Why would somebody do that? You just went against everything that our ancestors have taught us, even our, the Indians. Think about it. So be set free. I'm telling you all. Don't listen to the guy pumping gas at the gas station. The wind isn't always going to be in your favor. You get in the holler, the winds are swirling. Every deer in the country is going to wind you, and they're not going to come around you. Use your head, common sense. What do you think, Redbone? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, you know, the initial thought is, well, he hunts the wind pretty religiously. But the reality of it is, is you can't always hunt the wind. Because if you do get in a holler, uh, winds, you know, for a little while is going to blow out of the north. That's going to blow out of the south. And then it's going to be coming from the east and the west. I mean, it's, the wind just swirls all, all around, especially in the fall in Missouri and Arkansas. Seems like it changes almost every five minutes. You know, you know how many times you've been sitting in the stand and, and you're, you know, it's cold and the wind's blowing about 15 miles an hour and, uh, you know, your eyes are watering because you're looking into the wind and you're doing so good. And then the next thing you know, the back of your head's getting cold mm-hmm. because the wind yeah. has shifted on you. Now you're like, well, now what am I going to do? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, scent free, it's, be as scent free as you can. And, uh, yeah, but when you can. I mean, wind in your face is always the best thing. Yeah, and I was going to touch on that as far as something funny here. Uh, me and Alex were in the stand uh, a few years back here, and you know those little uh, uh, the cotton puffs yeah. you can pull out of a can, throw up in the air. Yeah. Well, I'm filming Alex, and we did a little segment on you know he was talking about you know using the cotton yeah, using puffs the puffer, and, yep. right? A little puffer, and he, he takes a cotton, throws it up in the air, and I film it just kind of drifting straight away from us. And I said, okay, cool, I got it all on film. I kid you not, four minutes later, here comes one coming right back to us. <laughs> because the wind had shifted, and, yeah. and Alex looks at me, and I look up at him. I'm like, are you kidding me? And Because the wind down in that little holler there had shifted and took that little puffer that went away from us five minutes ago and was blowing it back to us. And that's how quick that wind can change. You know, we need, we need, to, make, we well, need, to, would... we need to mark this uh, moment in history, Alex. Wayne just used an yeah. Ozarkian term. Like he's been saying his whole life. He said holler. He did say holler. He's been hanging around me long enough. It's rubbing off on But I do want to say it wasn't five minutes. It wasn't very long, Wayne. Five minutes, it could already be on the ground. So no, I think I, I, I'm not being controversial. Well, I think I, it, it was a, maybe a three bit. minutes. But maybe did, three minutes. The wind did switch. Right, yeah. 
digging deep into the pre-rut and what we're doing here, guys. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the pre-rut. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Watton with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. For whatever kind of fishing you want to do, Denali Rods has got the rod for you. Based in Mountain Home, Arkansas, Denali Rods has got rods for all types of fishermen, from the Covert Series to the Attack Series. They are the rod preferred by Alex Rutledge and American Roots Outdoors. Find a dealer near you by logging on to their website, DenaliRods.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Alex Rutledge, and I love my Denali Rods. North Tree Stands presents American Roots Outdoors. This is the final segment of the radio show. Then we got the bonus segment coming up after this segment, and you cannot listen to the bonus segment on the radio show unless you're a podcast listener. Wayne, talk about that. Yeah, all you got to do is go to your favorite podcast carrier like Podchaser, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, of course, Apple Podcast, iTunes, you name it, we're pretty much on it. Uh, just type in American Roots Outdoors uh, and uh, click on the like, subscribe, whatever the different ones have to get you to get our weekly uh, notifications that we have a new uh, one, you know podcast published. Uh, leave us a review, and when you leave your review, please make sure you leave your name, your real name, in the review so we can notify you uh, if you're a winner of our drawings. Yeah, we got a winner that's going to win a wise eye camera. Yes, we do. Week, I believe. Yes, this week. We'll oh, there's three more does running into the food plot, guys. They're running into the food plot like something's pushing them. So, and may be a buck coming up. So, if I say buck in the middle of just talking, don't get mad at me, okay? Because <laughs> I'm sitting in my truck, glass of water. But anyway, I want to say this: Tree Rut uh, and, and, and Wise Eye is one of our partners. I want to tell you, the Wise Eye camera is probably one of the most lethal weapons you can use in your arsenal of whitetail hunting or turkey hunting because you can strategically place these Wise Eye cameras on active scrapes throughout the area that you're hunting instead of just setting them on a food plot. Set them on the scrapes. And if you set them on these active scrapes and say you've got five scrapes, you've got five Wise Eyes running, you can be setting them on Wise Eye camera number one scrape, hunting that scrape, and all of a sudden, you get a notification. There's a buck over on scrape number four, and the wind's blowing directly from scrape four to you. It could tell you he's on his way to you. Or you could get down and try to ease in there because it's close to a food plot or whatever and slip into another stand and try to call him in within bow range or in gun range. Mm-hmm. So th- these cameras are very useful during the pre-rut right now. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, and I think for uh, for the second thing that you said, it's going to tell you when there's a deer, you know, in the woods where you're hunting. Now you may not be right there, but you might know. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to be hunting over there, uh, but you know, kind of like I have, exactly. I would go, I would go over there the next day, and then my my camera would tell me that he's in the place I was in yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's just luck. That's hey, I was out. I was out setting a uh, picture of one of our cameras. I got some a, a set to hunt in tree stands this past week and, and uh, I went and checked uh, one of the cameras and I'm using one of Wayne's wise eyes and Wayne said hey 
I got a picture of him that called you a, a deer. <laughs> yeah. I said, my wife calls me deer sometimes when I'm not in trouble. Yeah. So, yeah, but not very often. But anyway, <laughs> no, seriously, the, the, the trail camera is another part and piece of the puzzle to help you put that puzzle together, a tool to use, it, like a grunt call, a rallying bag, or rallying antlers, your bow, your, your release, you know, uh, I love bow hunting. I'm getting ready to start hitting it pretty hard. And some of you may not know this, but uh, my wife was uh, actually uh, told that she has COVID Monday morning. Oh no! And so we're 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 quarantined for about uh, till the end of the month, first of November, believe it or not. So I'm going to get to do a lot of bow hunting. And uh, Wayne's been helping us bring groceries to the house, and Marie Crowder helping us and my brother Jack and Pat helping us. So I'm currently locked down here at home. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, good luck to y'all and, and hope that everybody is is okay and and does okay with that. But we got just uh, you know about 5 minutes here and I know that one of the uh, tactics to use during the pre-rut that's very successful is rattling and using your deer call. So let's just talk about that a little bit because rattling can really get those bucks' attention. Yes, it can. I mean, you know, what you're seeing mostly right now, we're seeing in the Midwest, I am, is smaller bucks. And most of the, the, the older bucks that I'm getting is at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing very little mature bucks during the daylight hours right now. And again, that can contribute that to the full moon and also the timing of the pre-rut. Uh, but rallying techniques you can use right now is pushing and shoving. It's just nothing real, real aggressive, but it creates interest of bucks. What they'll do, and I've been watching bucks do this, they'll go up to each other and stiff-legged each other, and they'll just lock their horns. They're not really aggressive. So just push and shove a little bit. Now, bucks will fight to the death right now. I've, I've seen bucks that's hung together has been found dead this time of the year already in the middle of October. So who says aggressive rallying won't work right now? Because it will. Mm-hmm. But they're not as aggressive right now as what they will be at the latter part of this month. Would you agree, Redbone, Wayne? Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with that. I, right now they're just kind of feeling their oats, doing the pecking order and that. And when the uh, – the rut really starts kicking in, and that's when you're going to start seeing them really clashing. And you're going to—I love walking out into a field, and it looks like a stampede went through in a certain, like in one little area, <laughs> because you know them bucks yeah. are just locking in and you know planting their feet into the ground and trying to throw each other around. We had a deer uh, uh, over there where I hunt up there in Ohio uh, two years ago that I had uh, found up there walking into the woods or getting ready to walk into the woods, and it was about. Uh, uh, 20 yards off the field edge where my I hunt and it had about 14 punctures in the chest and was dead because hmm. when it got knocked down the other buck just kept slamming into it and it's you know killed it with its antlers wow yeah well it, you will see all kinds of things and there's more does coming this food plot like something's pushing them down. i'm getting ready to see a buck any second i know i am well, and last week, Alex, remember I sent you pictures uh, from the Wise Eye of uh, bucks that were already locking yeah. up and uh, fighting already. Matter of fact, we got a picture of a, yeah. a couple does, and if you look in the background, there was the bucks in the background that were fighting about uh, 60 yards off of the, the uh, does. Yeah. So they're out there. They're, yeah. they're doing it. They're starting to hit, hit up each other now. They are. And, and I want to say this. You know, you hear a lot of emphasis on 
predict, predictions of deer movement, et cetera. We believe that American Roots paying attention to, uh, there's a buck, finally a buck. It's not a big one, but he's a small one. And I finally seen a buck, mm-hmm. a little bitty eight point. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, prediction of deer movement, you hear a lot of different things, but I tell you what, a wise eye won't lie to you. It collects the data and files all your deer pictures under deer and your turkey pictures under turkey, and it will tell you the best times. And it collects the data of each camera to when you need to be in that location to harvest that deer. So that's the cool thing. Wise eye doesn't lie with their analytics. So that'll help you stop and not have to, to do any guesswork because the cameras will tell you exactly the time to be there. Yeah, and for the guys that don't have a whole lot of time to hunt, maybe just uh, you know have weekends is the only time they get to go out, uh, that cuts down on a lot of the time you have to uh, spend uh, with guesswork. Because when you go to the woods, you can exactly. go with a plan and know exactly what you're looking for. Exactly. And I want to say, Monty's Outdoors is now carrying wise eyes. And he said he already sold three in the first week. He was there, and I think he's got two left. Anybody's listening, better get over and get them. He's got to reorder and get some more in there. Wise Eye is taking the industry by storm, everybody. It's probably the, in my opinion, it's the best camera I've ever used. Would you agree, Wayne? Oh, with the, I, I think hands down. There's no different. I mean, there's no no comparison. I think they're in a league of their own. It's comparing apples to oranges. Um, and if anybody who has ever tried a Wise Eye, they don't just try it. They end up, you know, being a, a committed to it. Exactly. You know, all the other camera companies are actually paying WiseEye to use their algorithm, their program called Hunt Control. So they use that Hunt Control system uh, with their cameras. It takes the guesswork out of it. So we've had a, another great show, everybody, and, and the content I believe we share with everybody is is what we've learned from our years of hunting. Uh, and I know uh, the tactics I share with you is very productive for me and created a lot of success for me in the past years. And I love sharing knowledge with all of our listeners. Not that I know it all because I make mistakes. I miss deer. I've made bad shots, but I've, I've harvested way more than I've made bad shots. What about you, Wayne? I agree 100%. I <laughs> i don't ever want to make bad shots, and I can't even think the last time I did make a bad shot. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, this is also, I, I want to remind everybody, get out and practice. If you have not picked up your bow yet or you have not picked up that gun yet, please get out there, grab yourself some Hornady ammo, load it up, Take a few practice shots. Start getting back into the field before rifle season hits. Same thing with bow. Check your equipment. Please don't keep your arrows in your bow case <laughs> because you're going to nick a string and you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt when you pull that string back. Oh, yeah, that's going to have to wrap it exactly. up, Alex. Yeah, we are out of time. Remember this practice makes perfect, whether it's a shotgun, rifle, or a bow, crossbow, whatever. Practice, practice, practice. Remember, t- share the outdoors with somebody you love. Take a kid hunting. Take your neighbor's kid. And remember this, everybody. When your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American roots. 
Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Neutral Plot presents... Welcome back to America Reach Outdoors again via phone, sitting in my truck watching an Eagle Seed Smorgasbord food plot. A small buck's come in here checking some does, and Wayne Locke is in the studio, Redbone's in the studio, and Wayne, let's talk about Nutriplot. A lot of people, when you think of Nutriplot, oh, I want to enhance the growth of my food plots, but let's talk about the Nutriplot Plus. Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely uh, another thing you can add to your arsenal here. You know, everybody's always talking about equipment, and this is one thing I think that is uh, overlooked is uh, sense. And one of the things that Nutriplot has is not only the nutrition for your plants that you're putting them on, but the Nutriplot Plus has an ingredient in it that will is an attractant. So if you spray that within bow range of your stand, like in your field or if you're in the woods, spray it on the, some saplings in your area, you know, within the bow range area, and uh, that will help draw them in. It's a, uh, a curiosity, uh, vanilla-type smell to it, and uh, it'll bring them right on in. And, and speaking of Nutriplot, Alex was just down to my plot the, that we put in a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, do you mind uh, running down there? Because I was hanging drywall at the time. And I was like, oh, of course, knock yourself out. And he went down there and did a little videotape of the, the plot and, and – and, uh, Boy, is it looking green. <laughs> I mean, it was, we got the rain, we got the, I put the Nutriplot down, um, what, uh, I think maybe six days after, and we started getting them when they first started coming up, and we went in there and sprayed the Nutriplot on it, and uh, boy, it's looking a real beautiful, lush, bright green right now. Uh, unfortunately, the rocks also have gotten bigger, but... Um, <laughs> That won't hurt anything to do. No, I, I, I those rocks all I'm going to I'm going to open a quarry up. I think that's going to be a side <laughs> business. Right, so Alex, well, I want to say this. Yeah, go ahead. I want to say this, Redbone. What What's really interesting about his food plot? He's got a clay road through the middle of his food plot and sand and clay. Even the the eagle seed is growing now in there when it wasn't before after we treated it with Nutriplot, isn't it, Wayne? Yeah. Well, you know, the people from Nutriplot, when they were here, uh, you know, they told us that they would help grow plants in in uh, in soil that normally might not grow yeah. your food plot. So that's, uh, that's a pretty good deal. So I want to tell you a real quick story here, Alex. Let's tug at pe- people's heartstrings just a little bit. Uh, we've got a friend, and, and you know Jeff Holman over at uh, Alton. Oh, well, cat daddy. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. well uh, Jeff's grandson, uh, Karsten, is... I think four years old. He is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, he's had a, a tumor in his neck that they're treating him for. He's doing extremely well. Well, over the weekend, he got to come home for a couple of days. And one day they got done having dinner, and his dad said, are you feeling pretty good? And he was feeling pretty good. So they went and they sat in the deer blind. Had a blind set up there in a field. And they sat about 30 minutes after they got there. A little spike buck walks out. And, of course, Karsten's shooting a uh, crossbow, and he uh, managed to kill a deer with his crossbow. Beautiful. Outstanding. Beautiful. I wish we need to post that picture on the American Roots page and, and maybe get Carson on the show and talk about his hunt. Yeah, that well, maybe, yeah, and, and get Casey, you know, his dad, to come in and talk about it. But but I thought, you know, what a great story. Kid's going through, excuse my language, but he's going through hell right now and has for the last six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's just really, I mean, he's been in really bad shape and, and uh, you know, kind of touch and go there for a while, but he's doing great now. The tumor has shrank and, uh, I mean, just going through so much. But then to actually get to go out and, you know, come home for a couple of days and get to go out and harvest a deer, just, I mean, it's just one of those stories that makes me get goosebumps. Well, and that's great that he, he's getting better like that. But, again, that's one of the reasons we all support St. Jude's. I oh, mean, the, the care that they give <clears throat> these kids at no cost to the parents, um, but they look at not only the as the, chi- as the child illness, but they also look at the parents that are going through this, the family members that mm-hmm. are going through this, and they treat everybody. Yep. Um, so it, St. Jude's is just an amazing place to begin with, and it's so glad to hear that he's doing better. Yeah, and and got to kill a deer. Yes, it is. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say this to all of our listeners all across the world. Let's lift Carson up in prayer, everybody, and the home and family, and just pray for them and uh, put our faith in God. And we know God can do all things, and it's biblical. It's it's, it's God's word. So let's pray for Carson, and uh, hopefully he gets well enough. We'll get him and 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 Fat Cat. Cat Holman on the show, and we'll talk about their hunt. That would be a great show for us. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking the uh, pre-rut, and, and Alex, we, we, I think we you know, kind of covered all the phases. But for folks maybe that didn't hear the radio show, uh, you know, just a, a quick recap here in about three or four minutes. Uh, what, what advice have you got for people? They're listening to this bonus segment on the podcast that maybe didn't hear the entire radio show. Well, uh, what we covered is is basically A to Z, understanding the prep phase and then when they go into the pre-rut and how their moods change and their travel routes and uh, strategies, how to connect the dots, using uh, Onyx maps to pinpoint and uh, drop pins in different locations, uh, taking an overall perspective of the pre-rut of the area that you're hunting and just putting the pieces of the puzzle together to make it happen to set up your ambush site, your tree stand site, your ground blind, whatever. And we talked about colony techniques, being sent free, knowing your equipment. Uh, we didn't go real deep into calling techniques, but we did touch on rattling uh, deer vocal year-round and a uh, grunting technique that you can use right now as a contact grunt. It's like turkey clucking. It's just a short uh, like that, and it's, hey, look here, come here, I'm here, like a turkey clucking, and it's the same thing. So vocalization is important right now during pre-rut. Also, when the buck's aggressive, he will be real repetitive in his grunts, like, uh, 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 and they'll growl. And vocalization is a key part of closing the deal right now pre-rut. Anything you want to add, Wayne? No, I was just going to actually touch base on just what you were saying. And one of the mistakes that hunters will do is they will use the wrong type of calling in the wrong type of the rut. Uh, or, you know what I'm saying? It's like they're going to start using If they use aggressive calling, but it's the pre-rut, that's not a smart move because the bucks, they're not stupid. They know something's up. They're like, wait a minute. Nobody else is doing this around here. Why? What's going on here? You know, don't don't start ripping on the growling and clashing those horns together like, you know, it's two brutes going to town when right now they're just in their, their tickling phase and they're in their contact phase. Um, so pay attention to what, what phase of the rut you're in and match your calling and your rattling techniques to that. Yeah, I would agree. And of course, I want to say I've killed, I've killed more deer during the pre-rut, rattling aggressive, and rattling uh, 
uh, non-aggressive, both tactics, then I have any other phase. Hmm. So the prep phase is when you don't want to be calling aggressive, in my opinion. That's when their horns are just coming out of velvet, and they're still in bachelor groups. You don't want to go around aggressive then. But that's just my opinion. You shared yours, I shared mine. All right, so Alex, ahead, uh, yeah, next, next time we meet will be uh, you know next Saturday or Friday, and of course that'll be the weekend of the Missouri Youth Hunt. Missouri Youth Hunt is October 29th through the 31st, and then in Arkansas, the Youth Hunt is November 6th and 7th. So uh, folks, get those kids out there and uh, you know get them all outfitted and ready to go this weekend, or next weekend, I'm sorry, yeah, not this the, weekend, next weekend. Yeah, get, get your good owner ammunition and be practicing. These kids need to know their equipment. They need to have confidence in making that shot. They need to be shooting every day if possible and where they have confidence in making that shot. Wayne? Yeah, I agree. Get out there and practice, practice, practice. Make sure that uh, they know what to expect when they pull that trigger because the worst thing they can do is not know, and then they flinch, and they end up either missing, which is bad, but even worse, wounding an animal, and that's the last thing we want to do because that's going to affect them, and the last thing you want to do is have a negative effect, a negative hunt, because that's going to carry out to the next time you ask them to go out. Exactly. Guys, I want to encourage you all to be sure to leave us a, a, a rating on the show. We're going to give away an ARO cap again this week. Uh, the winner for the Wise Eye camera. Do you have the winner yet, Wayne, for that? No, the uh, drawing ends, or excuse me, the uh, applications uh, for that end on the 26th. We're going to draw the night of the 26th, and then we'll announce That the, sounds it, good, yeah. everybody. Yep, when we do the show guys, next Wednesday, thank you we'll again so much for everything you do in the studio, and thank you to all of our listeners that support us. Thank you to all of our partners, our sponsors, and we couldn't do it without you, and uh you know, remember, share the outdoors with somebody you love. It's all about passing on our American roots. And remember? When the, what, what, what is it? Wait, wait. <laughs> Wayne pointed at me goes, <laughs> well, you always do the first part. I do the second part. I was going to see. I was trying to throw him for a loop, and it worked. But when your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. <laughs>